This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Welcome to Beyond Reasonable Doubt, episode 17, The Peterson Show. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Beyond Reasonable Doubt on BBC Radio, Radio 5 Live. I was shocked. I didn't really expect that kind of verdict. <laughs> My sister's blood is just running down my arm and then it just hit me like i can't do this i can't clean up all this blood i listened to lies and perjury fake evidence made up evidence withheld evidence that were unconstitutional searches it was a beating and a strangulation now where are we going with that when there's no one else in the house should we go to an owl gentleman and before the mysterious blowpoke was found mike peterson bought three blowpokes I find Michael to be extraordinarily intelligent. have never seen a flash of anger in him. If you remember the movie The Truman Show, this was The Peterson Show. I'm Chris Warburton, and this is an unexpected return for our podcast. We're back because The Staircase is back. And by The Staircase, I mean the award-winning documentary series which started filming Michael Peterson and his defence team in February 2002. It was directed by this man. We are in North Carolina, in Durham, and in uh, December 2001, a man, a writer, Michael Peterson, is accused of having killed his wife, Kathleen, Kathleen Peterson. In fact, the, he called the police during the night of uh, December 9 and uh, 911, the emergency, and uh, he told the emergency that he found his wife, Kathleen, at the bottom of the stairs. That is Oscar winner Jean-Javier de Lestrade. And as you know from previous episodes, he and his colleagues have been most unwilling to talk to us. So we'll explain how we have this interview a little later. Now, over the next couple of episodes, we'll have some more on our theory. We'll get the views of Beyond Reasonable Doubt regulars Gaspo and Aphrodite Jones. And we'll talk to Michael's sister, Anne, who has decided to go on the record for the very first time. We'll also explain how David Rudolph cancelled an interview with us at short notice and get your comments on the staircase and the questions you wanted answering. First, let's talk to a reviewer, Jack Seal. He's a freelance but writes a lot for The Guardian and The Radio Times. He's a respected film and TV critic and his take on The Staircase in The Guardian was headlined Still the Godfather of the True Crime Documentary and he gave it five stars. I think in many ways it invents the genre that we kind of think of as being invented by the podcast serial and the TV show making uh, a murderer. It has obviously made years before those and forgotten until until recently when when Netflix revived it and you know it, it well, forgot not forgotten by everyone but by some people. Um, it, it it really nails that trick that true crime documentaries have of taking a very detailed case and going through it step by tiny step and making small developments seem very dramatic but at the same time uh, it it does a thing where it will suddenly drop a bombshell on you to pull you into the next episode so it seems to be a very kind of dry academic sort of report on what's going on but at the same time it has 
deep dramatic sensibilities. So in that way, it it invents that genre. But I think what makes The Staircase unique and what makes it even more dramatically pleasing than the shows we've seen subsequently is that it has an amazing character at the centre. And what really drives The Staircase and makes it different to other true crime shows, I think, is the, the character of Peterson. He's real, but he's a man playing a character. And that, I think, is what makes it endlessly fascinating. What, what's so interesting about him? I, it's just that his reaction to the situation he's in never really seems right. He always seems to be slightly enjoying himself. And whether or not you think he's innocent or guilty, and the fact that that remains a mystery throughout is something that uh, you know a writer of drama would find very hard to pull off. So the fact that it's a real situation is is really amazing. But whether you think he's he's innocent or guilty, the way he conducts himself, the way he talks, uh, the way he has kind of cheesy prepared lines for reporters outside the courtroom, the stress that he should be under, and the way he responds to that as if he's not under any stress the way he seems to love being the center of attention um is a, a real enigma a real um a real riddle um so if you think he's he's a guilty man he is unbelievably blasé about having been caught and about the prospect of being severely punished if you think he's innocent he's unbelievably blasé about the prospect of being falsely uh, imprisoned um, so he's he's fascinating to watch. Every, every scene with him is is fascinating because everything that comes out of his mouth, maybe this is just his way, maybe it's just his manner, maybe it's just unfortunate, but I don't think it is. I think he's kind of enjoying being there and every scene with him is a kind of performance. What about the cast around him and their interactions with Michael Peterson? Well, th this is this is another way in which the staircase is kind of uh, a miracle and is is you know gold for the for the for the documentary maker for the director um, because he surely couldn't believe his luck when um, Peterson's legal team came into the frame because it, it, a lot of the staircase is quite funny. I think I think that's that's something that's kind of uh, overlooked as being one of its qualities, and a lot of that is to do with this kind of shambling bunch of guys that he assembles around him. They look like the supporting cast of a sort of a mafia drama. They look like the sort of people who would get whacked after 20 minutes. They're this sort of middle-aged, they're all wearing these horrible kind of polo shirts and boxy suits, which is partly because of when it was filmed, sort of the early noughties kind of looks like a, uh, a different time. But they're, they're these... Uh, they're these uh, kind of middle-aged, slightly knackered blokes who are embarking on this game. They're, they're players in a game, um, and, and they really give the impression, to me anyway, and I think this is part of the point of the staircase, which is that when you get involved in the, the justice system, especially an adversarial justice system, these people are playing a game and no one really knows what they're doing. And there's a kind of level of not really incompetence, but a level of uncertainty around everyone, of, of improvising, I think is the word I would use. They all seem to be making it up as they go along. His defence team don't seem like the sort of people a well-off guy should be hiring. That's never really uh, explored, but they always seem to me to be, they seem very amateurish. 
even though his defence attorney is a good defence attorney. And they keep getting into situations that, to me, are very comical. Um, I mean, the, the the one that really stands out is the, the 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 day before the trial, where Peterson's attorney is trying to rehearse his opening remarks, and there's going to be a sort of PowerPoint presentation, essentially. And the guy he's hired to press the button on the slides is this shambling uninterested nerd whose phone keeps going off and who looks like he's going to bring down the whole defense. There was a lot of tension virtually at all times in preparing for that trial and then in trying the case. Uh, And I think it's almost inevitable that when you're under that kind of stress um, for long periods of time, something's going to happen that is incongruous, Uh, unexpected, bizarre, and I think you almost overreact to it, Uh, you know, where it might have gotten a chuckle uh, under normal circumstances, given given how tense you are, it becomes hysterical. Uh, And I think, you know, that was probably captured a couple of times on the film. You also saw on the film me completely losing it uh, with uh, the person who was assisting me to get ready for uh, for the opening statement, um, not a moment I'm particularly proud of, but it sort of shows the level of stress uh, that all of us were operating under at that time. So, yeah, there were moments of levity, and then there were moments of uh, of very dark emotions coming out. One of the things that I think is extraordinary, by the way, about the character of Mike Peterson is he quite regularly makes the sort of observations that viewers or critics would make about true crime dramas, about the subtext of them. He quite regularly vocalizes those things. There's a scene where he says, hey, you know, uh, it's good job that I'm a rich guy, because if I wasn't, I wouldn't be getting, you know, this sort of uh, this treatment. I wouldn't have such a great chance. That's not very fair. You know, he almost turns to the camera and says, hey, hey, people at home, is this fair? I don't think it is. Um, And the fact that he has the presence of mind to do that is one of the things that makes him um, so extraordinary. But um, the staircase is much more about the characters on the screen um, and the mystery of them and of the case. It's not it's not overtly making a point in a way that a lot of other true crime docs are. That's Jack Seal, who writes for The Guardian, among others. Five stars from him, then, for the series, directed by Jean-Javier de Lestrade, which would seem like a good time to hear from him and explain how we got the interview that you're about to hear. Well, we emailed the film company to ask for an interview, as we have done before. When I say we, I mean Mark did. What happened, by the way, with that? Well, uh, it won't surprise you to know that for the third time since we've been making this series, uh, we put in, uh, I put in a bid, um, and you know, I think we've made it very clear on this podcast we are we're big admirers of of the series. I mean, it's a beautifully shot series. Um, we may disagree over some of the elements of it, but we've always thought it's an, an, a remarkable piece of work. Of course it is. And so uh, on each of those three occasions that I went to the film company, um, and obviously if you've been listening to this podcast, you'll know there is a bit of history there. But I, I you know, contacted them all and said exactly what I've just said now. You know, we, we, we're great admirers of it, and it's clearly you've become the story. In fact, uh, Monsieur de Lestrade had also said this in a magazine interview that he'd said, we are now part of the story, and they're, and they're absolutely right. On each of those three occasions, we've been ignored, uh, not rejected, not turned down, ignored. Uh, I went via Netflix 
and they said that uh, Monsieur de l'Estrade was unavailable. Okay, um, but we we have got him <laughs> well, <laughs> through we, strange circumstances. Well, we have, yes, and and I think we need to welcome to the Beyond Reasonable Doubt team, Mr. Will Gompertz, the of all people, uh, the uh, the BBC's arts editor, a very very respected correspondent. Yeah, and uh, of course he appears on Five Live. Yeah, Sunday morning program called the Heat Map, and so. How, how does he fit into it? How does that program fit into it? Well, it's it, obviously he's interested in all aspects of the arts and uh, this uh, uh, the arrival on Netflix of these last three episodes and a run of the whole series of The Staircase obviously piqued their interest. They uh, put in a bid for Monsieur de l'Estrade and sure enough, he came forward to be interviewed. Will is had listened to Beyond Reasonable Doubt and obviously had, had, had watched all of the staircase. Which we didn't know. No, we didn't know, and it was and thank you, Will. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, and obviously he'd watched the staircase in preparation for the interview. So as a result, uh, even though the heat map just wanted three four minute interview, which in fact has long since gone out. Um, Will got so involved in the interview that he ended up recording an awful lot. Now, he explained to Monsieur de l'Estrade that, that this is a BBC interview and would you know could be used across all different aspects of the BBC, all different areas, which uh, obviously he acknowledged. And so that's how we got it, really. So Jean-Yves de l'Estrade, the man behind the staircase, finally on Beyond Reasonable Doubt. So let's hear from him. The first... Meeting with Michael Peterson, I remember very well that I, I met someone um, deeply, deeply sad, uh, having lost his wife. And he seems to be very, very sincere uh, when he was talking about Kathleen and when he was talking about his love. To, uh, and and I, I was moved by that. But at the same time, I could feel that it was like hiding something. I couldn't really know what it was. And it, it, it was not necessary that he, he had killed his wife, but there was uh, something complex, something he was not telling all he knew, for sure. And um, Why not? And why, why not? Uh, you know, sometimes you have kind of intuition or feeling, and and it appears to me. In fact, I remember at the end of the meeting, I thought myself, is like a Shakespearean character. <laughs> you know, someone <laughs> uh, um, I, I I was sure that if I was staying there, following him. I will have a very good character uh, and I will learn many stuff. And at that point, at that point, are you entirely impartial? Uh, yes. Well, it's difficult to be impartial because you are, your emotions are involved mm. in, 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 in a story like this. You, you, have, you have a woman who, who has been found at the bottom of the stairs, pool of blood, and and when you look at the pictures, wow, uh, you can't be, it's very difficult to be totally objective. And, and it's very hard to believe at the first, the, yeah, the first watch, it's very hard to believe that's an accident. 
you are like the police <laughs> when they went there and discovered the, the Kathleen's body. It's it's very difficult. And so, well, I try to, uh, to to keep the distance with him and and with uh, with everyone. But um, and and uh, as I said, I have the feeling that uh, it was sincere when he was talking about her and when he was talking about his love but he was hiding something he was and he was like there was like a, a guilt somewhere and it's it was not necessary again the guilt of having killed her but uh it's an intuition. It's something there, and uh, and it's difficult to point it very precisely. But the next morning, I I met with the, pros- the prosecution team, Jim Ardin and Freda Black, and uh, when I uh, met her, met met them, um, uh, we talked about the case, and uh, right away they uh, they told me. Uh, uh, everything, everything in Michael Peterson's life is a lie. And Freda Black said, you know, Michael Peterson is evil. Evil? Wow. Strong word <laughs> for a prosecution team. <laughs> and I start thinking, okay, hmm, there we have, we have maybe more than just a woman uh, who died at the bottom of the stairs, but we have kind of uh, value. Uh, conflict, or uh, how can I put that in in right words? But um, well, there's an inherent tension and conflict of. I, 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 in fact, I I got the feeling that the prosecution uh, was prosecuting Michael Peterson not because they had the right physical evidence that he did kill Kathleen, but because of the way he was, because. Because he was Michael Peterson, and because Michael Peterson, they discover that he had relationships with other men, and he was bisexual, and um, and to me that was the the point, and that was the motive of the prosecution to to get Michael Peterson, not because. They had the physical evidence of he, he had killed her, but because he he was the kind of man he was. So the director of the staircase thinks Michael Peterson was persecuted, not because of any evidence that he may have killed Kathleen, but because of the kind of man he was. And that thing about bias and impartiality comes up again. How should we view The Staircase? As a great piece of filmmaking with unprecedented access into a dramatic case, should it also tell the whole truth? The whole time I was watching, I'm just like, well, what are you guys not telling me? Mm. And some of it, I mean, some of it I get why they wouldn't tell you, but some of it just seemed really significant and seemed like irresponsible to ignore. 
That's Maggie Sorotta. She's a staff writer at Spin and has written for Esquire and Rolling Stone, among others. We got in touch with her after reading her review of The Staircase, and as a result, she then listened to Beyond Reasonable Doubt. I felt like I was listening to two different accounts, because it seems like Lestrade's point was that he's embedded and he's like, this is how a, you know, a murder defense is built, like what happens on the inside. So it's, I think it's, you know, it's fair to expect it to be more one-sided. Whereas your podcast, I was listening, I was just hearing things I had never known. Like, for example, when um, Aphrodite Jones was saying that, that Michael had a book ready to go of HarperCollins upon his acquittal. Yeah. Or um, pe- people that knew Kathleen talking about, well, no, it's not the, the fact that he's with men. It's, that it's, you know, the breaking the marriage vows that would bother her. So did Monsieur Lestrade simply take sides? No, 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 no. I really tried not to take Peterson's side. No. Um, as I said, I had the feeling that he was hiding something, that he was a very complex character and, and a very good storyteller too and very articulate man, huge sense of humour, but he could easily manipulate you and you and see that truth. when you watch the programme. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, you can feel yourself being manipulated. You, and the, 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 the stories come out. And there was that, there's, it, very early on, there's that, that piece when he's meeting the press and he describes his love for his, his wife in poetic terms. And these, mm. these are rehearsed words. They haven't come out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kathleen was my life. I whispered her name in my heart a thousand times. She is there but I can't stop crying. I would never have done anything to hurt her. He's a writer, and, and I knew that. And, and I tried to keep the right distance, and, and I was always thinking, OK, don't forget that he may have killed his wife. Don't forget he may have killed his wife. <laughs> if you have in front of you someone who may have done something terrible. Uh, and just don't forget that. But then you have the problem as a human being that you're drawn to one person because he's charismatic yeah and he's a good storyteller yeah and you have empathy for for those skills but, yes. but, but, and 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 you and you're kind of turned against the other thing which is the authoritarian voice which is trying to prosecute somebody for, for whom you don't think necessarily there's enough reason to do so so as a human being you 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 feel that you're in this force field pulling one direction aren't you Yes, uh, of course. It's it's uh, it's a little bit difficult to uh, to be at the right place, uh, and because you you know you need him uh, to do a good film, you need to be there, you need to to, to be with him and and filming him, and you know he's a good good character because he's good storyteller and he will entertain in a way the audience of course yes you know that uh, but um, and and also uh, because uh, the prosecution the argument of the prosecution uh, or the, the or or the, the why the reason why they were prosecuting Michael Peterson to me was not fair. That was not fair, in a way. So, it's yes, it's difficult to to find the right place, the right distance. And in when you you are, you are a filmmaker and doing documentary, it's a key point. 
finding the right distance with the subject you are filming. And especially when is someone so articulate and 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 uh, and with a with accused of of, of a crime and um, and uh, but I, I I was I've been very clear with with him from the beginning uh, when we start shooting I, I uh, told him Michael uh, I don't know what happened that night the purpose of the film will never be to prove to show the audience that you are innocent because I don't know and that's not the goal that's not the purpose the purpose is the for to it's a look at the justice system the way they will treat you and uh, just to follow the legal process so then I suppose what I'm, I'm driving at because it's so interesting because the way this story develops over the the many episodes 13 in all eventually is is you feel as a viewer at least I felt as a viewer that I was being pushed towards taking a, a side that a pro Peterson stance and I and I, I suppose what I'm asking is that is that a a fair reflection of, of how the film was made and, and b a reflection of, of, of how you felt about the people you were filming that you you preferred the Peterson team I suppose to the prosecution team uh, well uh, yes we have more connections with <laughs> Peterson team <laughs> with David Rudolph than with Frida Black yes uh, of course um, I got the feeling that uh, I have more in common with David than with Freda but uh, again uh, um I really try to be fair, uh, not objective because it's impossible to be objective and and it's nonsense. Uh, but to be fair and and uh, and uh, and uh, to me, the prosecution did a very good job, and we try to uh, to show that uh, to the viewer and and uh, and uh, you are saying that you feel that that. Uh, during the course of the of the, the episode, we are we are going on the Peterson side. Um, I I hope there is space until the end that everyone can feel free to think what he wants to think about Michael Peterson guilt uh, and and. And uh, and um, uh, I hope uh, I gave something that yes, let the the freedom to everyone uh, and the, the space that if someone wants to think that he is guilty that he did kill Kathleen that night, it's fine. That's Will Gompertz, the BBC's arts editor, talking to Jean-Javier de Lestrade. We'll hear more from both of them later. This is Beyond Reasonable Doubt. In Durham, North Carolina. On BBC. Radio 5 Live. 5 Live. So there's The Staircase making three more episodes. We at Beyond Reasonable Doubt are making some more. 
And Aphrodite Jones, who you heard Maggie refer to earlier, is updating and republishing her book on the case called A Perfect Husband, which Mark and I have both read. We called Aphrodite for her verdict on the latest editions of The Staircase. The new episodes don't seem particularly concerned with Kathleen Peterson, do they? I mean, uh, you know, we see more of Michael Peterson as a charming, uh, perhaps enigma. And to me, he seems to be enjoying himself with all this time on the camera. In essence, what I feel has gone on here now is gratuitous. It's not about whether or not he did it. It's whether or not his lawyers can get him off in the first number of episodes. And then in the last few episodes, even though in reality, Michael Peterson has gotten off because of a technicality, because of a, you know, a bloodstain expert who um, has a bad track record. In essence, he's asserting his innocence. And in the series, this brilliant documentarian who's won an Oscar is able to present something where people can actually have a question in their mind as to his guilt or innocence. And in fact, he is the person to be sympathized with, if you're watching this carefully. And Candace, the sister of Kathleen, seems to be villainized. And I find that really hateful. In in what way do you think she's been villainized? Well, they constantly refer to her as jokingly, you know, she's the one that caused me to be here. He, Peterson says, you know, uh, she makes a remark at the end of the whole documentary. You're saying that, you know, you've said you threatened me saying that if I didn't keep my effing mouth shut, you know, I wouldn't, you wouldn't even be here. I mean, she's blamed really for, for being crazy as her, you know, the, the girls from Germany call her crazy, <laughs> you know, she's not, we don't get her side. We don't find out very much of her side until she makes the final statement about the fact that Michael Peterson has decided to take a guilty plea for having killed her sister. But, you know, within the context of the way it's placed, with Peterson constantly saying, I will not say I'm guilty. I refuse to say I'm guilty. I did not do this. And we hear this over and over again in all of the goings on about the Alfred plea back and forth. You know... (laughs) The lawyers are, in essence, to me, corrupt, because I don't know how they can believe that this man is innocent. I understand that's their job. But, you know, come on. The idea that Candace is wrong and Candace lied on the stand and Lori lied on the stand and everyone from Germany lied on the stand. This is what we hear. This is what we get at the end of this documentary. And that's what we're left with is Michael Peterson having playing a song about, you know, the good guys lost. And now we all know the truth that the good guys always lose because, you know, the dice are loaded against him. Now, it did surprise me slightly that Aphrodite told me that it was only in the last few weeks that she had watched The Staircase at all. Back to Jean-Javier de Lestrade now. And Will Gompertz in his interview takes us back to this moment. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are returning the following verdict. State of North Carolina versus Michael Alvar Peterson, file number 01CRS24821. We, the 12 members of the jury, unanimously find the defendant to be guilty of first-degree murder. This is the 10th day of October 2003, signed by four persons. 
Christian Lion Jones. I was shocked by the verdict. I didn't really expect that kind of verdict. We 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 were there during the five months trial, which huge, <laughs> huge trial. We were all there. <laughs> yes, we were all there we, 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 with the, with teams, crew, and and um, well, uh, I I knew the 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 prosecution did a very good job and and a good job and uh, yes. Could be, it could be very. Uh, can I say that? Uh, um, I could understand that the jury will discuss deeply in the jury room about the the the, the if Michael is Michael Peterson is guilty or not, and they spend hours and hours to to debate about his guilt. Yes, that that makes sense. Mm. But unanimity to come back with a guilty verdict, yes, uh, I didn't really expect that. That and, and I was shocked, and and um, and uh, and uh, that at that moment, I I said to myself, uh, uh, I will follow the case until the end. Because I don't know if Michael Peterson has killed his wife or not. I don't know. And I'm not saying he's innocent. But I am sure that's not fair justice. And it turns out, of course, as the film develops, as you update it over the years, there is an element of truth in what you're saying, that some, yeah, of, yeah, some yeah, of the evidence yeah, fell away. Yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, they and it's... Um, it's a miracle the way they discovered that because <laughs> you, uh, Michael Peterson lost all the his legal appeals and um, after six or seven years in, in prison, he start thinking that he will die in prison uh, because life sentence is a life sentence and uh, you don't go out. Yeah. And so he start thinking, okay, I am trapped there. I will die there. And the the man who lied is Dwayne Dever. Dwayne Dever, during the Peterson trial, was the star witness of the prosecution. He he he, he spent five or six days on stand, and uh, and at the, at the time he was he was. Um, uh, he, he, he was uh, he was uh, I don't remember exactly in in the in the crime lab uh, um, SBI crime lab, but he has a, 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 a huge responsibility in the in the mm. SBI uh, crime lab, and and so he he was the star witness of the prosecution, five six days. On the witness stand, and that was the only one who really s explained to the jury uh, that Michael Peterson was there because uh, of the, because of the drop blood drop on his shirt. So he said Michael Peterson was there, and uh, the way all the the blood splatter on the walls. 
the only way to uh, to have this kind of blood splatter is because someone eat my uh, eat Kathleen Peterson. For those people who are convinced Michael Peterson is guilty and is a killer, one of the things they point out is the fact that there are two unaccounted for hours between Kathleen leaving the poolside to go into the house and Michael's 911 call. It is a December evening, and while though not freezing, it could best be described as chilly. And this is never satisfactorily explained anywhere, and the staircase is no different. It's still a kind of mystery. Yes, she, she left. She supposedly left the pool around 30 minutes after midnight. And as you said, he found her. He, well, he called 911 at 2.41 a.m. So, so it's hours. more than two hours uh, gap, two hours. He always said that he stayed by the pool, uh, but can you can you stay by the pool in December uh, two hours, or you f- you felt asleep or Bit chilly? It's chilly. Yes, it's it's fifty six, fifty seven degrees. And it feels chillier when you're by a pool. Uh, yes, yes. Especially when you've got the fountain going. Yeah. A little bit humid. Um, yes, there is a there a point. A, a point. It's a gap. It's a, I don't know. It really, it really, it's 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 something I have no answer to that. Uh, and and it's not because I didn't ask him. <laughs> I asked him many times. Because it's a huge. It's thing. the th- it's the thing. It it it's maybe yes. It might be the thing that. Uh, what did you do, Michael? Where 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 where, where was you <laughs> at the time? Where were you at the time? And uh, yes. I thought this my is, this, my thinking uh, at some point I saw that he uh, he left the house he he went to to meet some with someone a man and when he came back he found her and he couldn't tell anyone that he met a guy <laughs> well <laughs> I had many many different theories about that gap uh, which is crucial and 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 uh, yes and if you look at it in a very objective way why wait a minute what happened there Uh, and it's still a, a huge question many of you have told us that one of the most searing and powerful moments of the whole case was when candace zamperini kathleen's sister gave her witness impact statement at the Durham courthouse, standing just a few yards from me, and much more importantly, very close to where David Rudolph and Michael Peterson were sitting. There was this moment in her testimony, which brought Court 7D to a silent standstill. I wasn't going to go into this day, but you opened the door. As for the blowpokes, I had brought to North Carolina from France the blowpokes similar to the gift I'd sent Kathleen. 
The blow pokes I brought in had six inch hooked tips. The tip you found miraculously, there was no tip on that blow poke. Where the heck was the hooked tip? I think in the back of my sister's head. Which was edited out of the staircase. To be fair to Monsieur de Lestrade and his team, they did leave in the part where Candace talked about their film and in not very complimentary terms. So what about the blowpoke? They came to the blowpoke uh, because Kathleen's sister, Candace, uh, gave to Michael and Kathleen as a gift a blowpoke. And when the police did the first huge search, they couldn't find the blowpoke. And Candance said to the police, did you find the blowpoke? <laughs> no, we didn't find the blowpoke, they said. Okay. So she, Candance said to the police, well, maybe kill her with the blowpoke. And uh, they, they found the police want to buy a blowpoke uh, and and uh, they try uh, experiments with the blowpoke and they uh, they um, they the theory that the blowpoke was um, not too heavy and uh, is a kind of characteristic that you may kill someone with a blowpoke without cracking their skull without skull fracture and but To me, it's not. It's it's kind of stupid. Next time, should the staircase have made it clear that Michael was having a relationship with the film's editor? how Owl Theory hit Britain, and one radio presenter in particular. We get the unanimous verdict of Gaspo, and are Michael Peterson and his legal team right to think that if the case had gone to a retrial, he'd have been acquitted? We'll ask one of the best-placed 12 people in the world what they think. That's episode 18 of Beyond Reasonable Doubt, The Last Few Steps, which is a Wise Buddha production for BBC Radio 5 Live. <laughs>